When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move to the net. Great shot, score! And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback! Cassie left it for McDavid, drives the net. What a shot! Top right corner, unbelievable! Two flyers draped all over him. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Off the draw. Here's Nurse. Another shot blocked in front. Pull your every backhander score. Edmonton 2-0. Yes, a Puyarvi with his fourth of the year. And the Oilers go up by a deuce. Well, there's one to remember. Very likely, Yessi Puyarvi's last goal as an Edmonton Oiler. As uh, the news today, you may have seen the article, the headline from Mark Spector of Sportsnet on the good old internet. Yessi Puyarvi tells Oilers, trade me or I will play in Europe. And uh, this is all from Marcus Lato, the Agent for Jesse Pugliarvi, here's the quote. If he doesn't get traded, he will play in Europe next year. He will not play in Edmonton. Now, Pugliarvi, a restricted free agent. The Oilers have until Monday to get him a qualifying offer so they could keep his NHL rights. Uh, and basically, he uh, he wouldn't accept that offer until he has been traded because if you are under an NHL contract, you can't sign in Europe. So this is a situation the new general manager, Ken Holland, is going to have to deal with. One way to look at it is that this severely weakens the bargaining power the Oilers have for this player because the the agent is saying he's not going to play in Edmonton. Uh, you know, he'd sooner play in Europe than, than than play in Edmonton. So you're dangling a player here that the other teams know you want to have you want to have to get rid of. I, I did have somebody who used to be a manager in the NHL tell me there is another side of it that that maybe this you know gets the chatter going and team inquire teams inquiring, and, and you may have multiple offers. I, I don't know if you're going to get tons of offers for Pulleyarvi. Uh, pretty quiet season with the Oilers this past year. He got into 46 games. He had four goals and nine points, 16 penalty minutes. He was minus 14. The previous year, he played 65 games, had 12 goals. And uh, his rookie season, he got into 28 games, scored in his very first NHL game, did not score the rest of the way, and then was with the Bakersfield Condors. Obviously, uh, we've seen little flashes with Pugliarvi, who was drafted fourth overall in 2016. He is a big man, six foot four, about 220 pounds, We've seen him make some very brilliant plays, passing and shooting in the NHL, but we've seen him go quiet for long periods of time. Look, two things for me with uh, Pugliarvi, my opinion, and you can let me know yours by texting 630-630 or by calling 780-496-0063. Two things. Number one, I, I think the Oilers mishandled this player, especially in his rookie season, because I don't think he should have been in the NHL 
at all, or if if at all, maybe maybe a brief audition to give him a little bit of taste for it, and, and then he plays in the minors. And then he's kind of been up and down, and he's never really found a place to, to fit in. So I, I think that we are here because this player just simply wasn't handled well by the team earlier in his career. The, the second thing is, is I don't know if Pugliarvi himself has taken the strides to really figure out how to be a pro. And, you know, most players in the NHL or former players will say, it's rare you go into a game feeling great. you you got to make sure you get yourself into the mindset to play. And some nights, maybe you're going to feel pretty good. You might feel 90 or 95%. Some nights you might feel 60 or 70%. Well, you can't just write those nights off. You you gotta you gotta find a way to make an impact, and uh, play when you're not feeling great or a little uncomfortable. I don't think Puliyarvi ever really got over that hump. I don't know if he to this point, and he's still a look. He's still a very young man. Obviously, he just turned just turned 21 in May. So I hope he does figure it out. It would be great if somehow this got salvaged and maybe he could figure it out with the Oilers. But I don't know if he ever if he has yet to have that spark where he's he's said to himself all right you know what the, i'm not i'm not feeling great i'm having a tough time what can i do to get involved in the game how how can i contribute even though i'm not feeling 100% or 90% so i think that's the challenge for him uh the challenge for the well i guess the the challenge for the Oilers is probably going to be trying to find a new home for them. They can't go back and fix what was done in the past. Pugliarvi, I think, can, can work on uh, some things in his approach. So that's where we are with uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, something for Ken Holland to deal with through the weekend and, and possibly into the summer. I don't know if something is going to happen quickly. He's, you know, like I said, we, we've seen flashes at, at the draft in 2016. It was, uh, you know, considered a bit of a win for the Oilers that they, he fell to him at number four after Columbus stepped up and took Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is a really good player. Uh, I mean, Dubois, I mean, you just saw Ryan O'Reilly win the, the Conn Smythe Trophy. You, you could have Dubois blossoming into an O'Reilly-type player as he gets older. I think he's already on the path to that. But... But with Pugliarvi, there's some raw talent there. Um, we've seen some fancy little plays. We've seen some good shots. We've seen some nice goals. And I think with him, though, I, you know, I, I know McClellan got criticized, criticized a lot. Well, why isn't he playing and why isn't he playing? You know, Hitch at, at first was playing a little more. Hitch was the coach and said, let's bring him up. Let's teach him in the NHL. And then a lot of nights he wasn't used very much by Hitchcock either. Single digits for for ice time for both coaches a lot of nights. So it hasn't worked out well with this player. Will it work out in Edmonton? Well, it doesn't appear that it will. Again, the quote Mark Spector has from Marcus Leto, who is Pugliarvi's agent. Here it is. If he doesn't get traded, he will play in Europe next year. He will not play in Edmonton. That six-word sentence is a direct quote that Speck got. He will not play in Edmonton. So that's pretty definite. That's not like, well, you know, we'd like them to explore a trade. Uh, that's not like, well, we don't think it's working. And what's interesting here as well is you have a new general manager and you have a new coach with the Oilers. So you would you would think if there was a time for a player and an agent to say like, okay, the first three years have not been great. You know, we haven't played a lot. You've had to go through And look, he did have the hip surgery. So there there was a legitimate issue there that had to be fixed. So I, I got to acknowledge that with Pugliarvi. But, it, but it's interesting. The agent is still saying we are stepping away. We are, we're, we're stepping away from this franchise, even though there's new people in charge. 
even though there is new people in charge, they are still stepping away. 780-496-0063. We're going to hop right on the phone line and bring my buddy Jared back onto the show. Jared, nice to hear from you. Go ahead, man. Hi, Reed. I just got one comment and kind of a question for you because you're at all the games. Do you think that if the Oilers would have drafted Matt Kachuk and, let's say, Calgary Flames would have got Jesse Pogliarvi by some, by some chance, how do you think the players would have been developed differently? Do you think Matt Kachuk would have been a dud and Jesse Pugliarvi would have been a stud in Calgary? That's a really good question. I don't think Pugliarvi would have been a stud in Calgary. Uh, I, I would... See, here's the thing, Jared. We have an agent who is very involved. And I also wonder, too, if he pressured the Oilers for him to be in North America that rookie season as well. So I wonder if he would have done that to another franchise. But I, I just, you know, I think, like I said, there's there's something on the Oilers here. But I do not think Pugliarvi would have gone to another team and been a star. I think Matthew Kachuk would have been an impact player with the Oilers. I don't know if he would have scored at the same rate he does in Calgary. But that personality and his, his, uh, his propensity to be a complete jerk on the ice. And as I'm sure you know, Jared, I mean that as a compliment when I'm evaluating yeah, him as a player. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think he would have been uh, a, a, a pretty good fit with the Oilers. But, Jared, let's, let's tell it like it is here. Sergachev was going to be the pick. And I, they probably should have stuck with Sergachev, given what they needed on the back end. And then Pugliarvi was available, so they went with him. Yeah, because I always think is how much is on the player after he gets drafted versus how much is on the organization to develop him. And I always think when you, when you listen to the coaches, they always talk about like the positional part of the game, the defensive part of the game, and they view that as the technical part of the game. But I'm saying is there's nobody working with him. Like with Jesse Poyarvi, he's like a big, rangy-type forward. And I saw him in an exhibition game against Winnipeg. It's the only time I've ever seen him play. And he looked really good that game. Was, that the, game, is, was that the game he made that one-touch pass to McDavid through the yeah, neutral through, zone? Through his legs or whatever. And he looked yeah. really good. But he, I think the big thing with him is he has to tighten up his game, like in the sense that everything is happening quicker. And I think that he's having tr- maybe a little bit of trouble with the North American ice. Like his turns just have to be a little bit tighter. He, and it's almost like he's too long and outstretched. And he, even when he hits, like he, everything is kind of seems awkward to him on the ice. And when I think of like his technical game, I think someone has to, ha- had to have worked with him in, in almost like applying his skills to the North American ice service. It's like he was still playing on a North American, uh, on a European ice service, and he was just like a little bit, a little bit too slow. But I still think like he's only 21 years old, and it's unfortunate because of the fact is uh, he's a talented guy, and then just to blow through another pick like that, to to have like blow through a Yakupov yeah. and blow through a, uh, a Jesse Pogliarvi and just essentially – have those two players well, that's, walk yeah. away from nothing, that's the thing that, you know, you should be able to make something out of them and not just, you know, now they're just going to be taught, like, what are they going to get for Pugliarvi? Maybe a second-round pick? Well, that's, and, and that's, that's the sad part is, because sometimes, you know, like, players are drafted in the first round, 
and they come into the league, and we're going to, like, we're broadcasting the draft Friday and Saturday, Jerry, so you're going to hear it over and over again, and they're going to be compared to current players. And they're going to say, well, they're drafted in this spot, so they should score this many goals, and here's how the past draft picks have done. But sometimes they just turn out to be really good players in their own right. I mean, Bob's been talking about Bo Meester. Who was yeah. dra- wh- wh- where was he drafted? Top, was he... The, well, anyway, third or fourth, he was really high. He was very high. Yeah. He's, he's he always so he's never got sixty points. Well, he's, he's been a pretty darn good player for the last de- decade and a half. So that, you know, that that's that's the sad part with the Oilers. They draft Neil Yakupov. Okay, so he wasn't going to be a forty goal scorer. Could have he been a twenty goal scorer? Well, probably not. Maybe that you know his rookie year he would have got there if it was a full season. And same thing with Puliyarvi. You know, if he wasn't going to be a first or second line player could he round into still a good third-line player? And yeah, you'd say, okay, fine, he's not as good as other fourth overall picks, but he's a solid NHLer. We Unfortunately, we may not find that out with him in, in Oilers' colors. And, and I think with, like, the Jesse Pogliarvi and Neil Yakupov, the horrible thing about it is is that they almost, like, missed a step. And some people like Neil Yakupov and some people don't. But once they've lost that step, you don't know if they're going to be able to get that back. Like, is there confidence so eroded that they're never going to find their game again, right? Like, they're coming in as, like, Neil Yakupov, first overall pick. Yes, he pulled Yarvi with MVP at the juniors. I mean, not a lot of players get that done. And now for all of a sudden him to be, you know, sitting out and everything, like, I start to think, like, a lot of it is from the coaching staff and the organization in the way that, you know, it, it almost seemed like it was like a meat market for these guys, right? And if you're going to put them in the minors put him in the minors and say, this is how long you're going to be here, and then you're going to develop your game. And I think that's going to start to happen because I was looking at the draft picks with a friend last, last, uh, last night, and only Quebec had three first overall picks in a row. And right. for those who have three first overall picks in a row, and Connor McDavid, they'll be in this situation. Like, you can't, like, you know, what more can you ask for, right? you got to start looking at, at the, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the players they they drafted. It's just the way they developed them. Like you have to, there there has to be a way. Like there's no way you can have a guy drafted that high and he just like the whole bottom falls out under him. Yeah, and, and, and I think with Puyarvi, like uh, I I do think a lot of it's on the team, and I and I think some of it's on on the player where he has to maybe make some realizations. As well, but I mean, the Oilers have made—they've made a lot of mistakes. That's why they've been where they've been. Thanks, Jared. I will uh, talk to you from Vancouver tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, 20 after 6. Uh, you can text 636-3780-496-0063. The NHL awards are underway. Vancouver's Elias Peterson, Rookie of the Year. We're back after the break. <laughs> You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Now it's 
Drysaddle weaving his way through the neutral zone, putting the brakes on, right circle, snap the pass, McDavid scores! Connor McDavid up for the Hart and the Lindsay tonight. He has won the Ted Lindsay Award. That's the top players voted on by the players the last two seasons. He's up against Kucherov and Kane in that department. When it comes to the Hart, McDavid, Kucherov, and Crosby are your finalists. Would not surprise me to see Kucherov uh, win in both those categories. An outstanding season for the Tampa Bay Lightning who uh, were surprisingly swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Corey Perry beloved in oil country has been bought out by the Anaheim Ducks. Do you think Corey Perry could be accepted as an oiler? Stranger things have happened, Reed. They have. They have. That would be a strange one. I mean, Zach Cassian became an oiler after injuring uh, Sam Gagne. Perry has been a, a much larger thorn in the side of the Oilers for a longer time than, than Cassian would have been during his tenure with the Canucks. Uh, Perry, 34 years old, 14 seasons with Anaheim. He won the Hart Trophy in 2011. He had two years left on his deal at uh, over $8.5 million per season, so they buy him out, so they'll have him on the books uh, for the next four years. He, he only has 42 goals in the last three years, and... Uh, very limited and uh, not very effective thanks to a knee injury last season. Would you would you look at a veteran like that? If you're the Oilers? I mean, I don't think you'd pay him what more than maybe you could pay him just over a million bucks a season. You 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 well, I mean, the Oilers don't have a lot of cap space anyway. And uh clearly would Here's the thing, it, it could could Corey Perry come in and play on the Oilers bottom six if he would accept that role and the money? And could Oilers fans accept him? I mean, hey, if he helped them win, they'd accept him. But if he came in and he was hurt or just completely ineffective, that uh, that signing would quickly become very unpopular. Uh, side topic, Kellen. Mm-hmm. Who's, uh, who's an enemy of the Oilers that then joined the team and became beloved by the fans? You can text 630-630. That'll mm-hmm. be our off-topic topic tonight. I can think of a couple. But they were former Oilers before, and then they came back and played. Yeah, so someone who was never an Oiler okay. and was hated and, and then joined the Oilers and got to be at least relatively popular. I mean, I think you could put Cassian in that category. Sure. Uh, I mean, he was basically hated mostly for a couple of incidents involving Gagne. Uh, but still, he's, he's generally... I, I, would, I don't know if, if Cassian's to the point where he's beloved by Oilers fans, but he's fairly well liked he was certainly a bit of a hero in the playoffs I've, a couple of years ago i've got one that's a, over a dozen years ago but going back to 2006 and this was a jaw dropper for me was todd harvey because he was such a a foreign in the side of the oilers when uh the oilers in dallas were having their playoff uh rivalry in the early 2000s right kenny linsman someone says that's a good one that's a the, really good one rat. Yeah. that's a really that's a really good one yeah who was despised as a philadelphia flyer for sure uh, this texture says, why are we getting more washed-up guys? Well, a lot of people texting in Linsman. Well, I guess we got a runaway winner already. Uh, Luis texting in, not sure how much blame we should put on the Oilers organization. I believe that if you're NHL caliber, then you're NHL ready. Yes, he wasn't. Look at the other rookies around the league. They're NHL ready, playing their whole lives to be in the NHL, so they're ready when they get here. Yes, he and Yak have been playing hockey their whole lives. Still, they weren't ready for the NHL. So I'd say that the Oilers organization 
did everything they could to give these guys a chance, and they couldn't do it. Have a good one. That is from Luis. Whereas uh, Richard says the Oilers should not sit there and pretend that it's the player's fault. Why don't they wear a little egg on their face, admit the franchise screwed up the player, and actually do some salesmanship and try to get a good return in the trade and not just pennies on the dollar? Uh, well, the, that's fair, Richard. I mean, but you can't fault Ken Holland for Philly Arby. He might have to deal with this and, uh, and make the trade. All right, this is going to be fun. Stanley Cup champion, St. Albert native, Colton Pareko, when we get back to Inside Sports. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Tomorrow is your last day to enter the 630 Chet NHL Mock Draft Challenge. That's on our website. If you correctly pick in order the top eight picks in the first round on Friday, you'll win $500 cash courtesy of AMJ Campbell. This is a fun contest and a difficult contest to win. I think we know the top two picks are going to be Hughes and Kako. And then at number three, it is pretty wide open. Pretty wide open. Uh, I've been looking at all these mock drafts. A lot of things have changed even in the past few days. The Swedish defenseman Philip Broberg is now somebody who uh, people think the Oilers might take at number eight. Swedish defenseman, about 6'3", 200 pounds. Can uh, move the puck, look good at the U18s. So uh, there's another name to remember. He's crept up on a lot of mock drafts. So this is uh, this could be really interesting once we get to uh, to number three. Uh, McKean's hockey. They do draft rankings uh, every year. Ryan Wagman says a very very deep draft. I think it's a very deep draft. Um, you know, we have both the superstar talent at the very top. Your your Jack Hughes, your Capo Caco, um, and a few others. And and then it just you know the, the next tier after them is also much deeper than it usually is. I think you have up to 13 or 14 players who all have a good argument to go in the top five, which wow. is something you don't see very often. Uh, and then, you know, you get beyond that, of course, you know, every draft will start to thin out in the, the 20s, but there's still a lot of good players who are going to go through the second and into the third round who in other years could be considered as potential first rounders if you know even if late first round uh th- there's just a lot of good talent there it's not a great draft for defensemen per se yeah um there are some good ones but you know it's not a very deep draft for defensemen but for forwards it's phenomenal uh it's got a lot of good goalies out there for those who like to draft goalies um not as many as there used to be but uh, you know it, there are still some good goalies this year but um the amount of skill you're just seeing how that, that trend in the hockey world towards more skill, less focus on size or brawn uh, is just creating a very exciting breed of young player, and, and, and we're going to see a lot of that this weekend. Yeah, and a lot of storylines for the West, for the Western Hockey League. Kirby Dock, Edmonton area product, played for the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised him to go, see him go maybe fifth or sixth. You have Dylan Cousins played for Lethbridge. Uh, he's probably going to go in the top ten. Uh, obviously, Bowen Byram, the excellent defenseman for the Vancouver Giants. I would think he goes three or four. Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai Ice, as they were known last season, probably a you know a 
top 12 pick there. We'll see where ultimately he winds up. Several good American players are available. So it's going to be fun on Friday. We will have coverage for you right here on 6.30 Chet starting at 4 in the afternoon. We'll take you right up to the Eskimos game at 7. Then Morley and Dave will take it over to uh, bring you Mike Riley's return to the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Global News Radio 880 starting Friday at 6. We'll have the entire first round. So we have you covered here on our chorus stations. Um, some reports coming out tonight. I, I, I know I mentioned this on my Twitter account a couple of weeks ago. It's 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 uh, been speculated for a while. Uh, reports that Jim Playfair will be named an assistant coach with the Edmonton Oilers possibly tomorrow and Playfair worked with Dave Tippett for several years with the Coyotes so uh, probably not too much of a surprise there all right so want to welcome to the show speaking of the draft a guy who was taken 86th overall in 2012 and he's now a Stanley Cup champion from the St. Louis Blues, defenseman Colton Pareko. Colton, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. And for the first time on this show, you join us as a Stanley Cup champion. How does that title sound? Has it sunk in? Yeah, not really. Almost. It's pretty crazy. We're just one of the things where you're just kind of sticking right in the middle of it. And um, I think once kind of the summer gets going, I get home and get a, have the cup at home. I think that's when it's really going to kick in. And uh, but no, it's been such a thrill so so cool um just kind of be, be a part of this well and obviously you've been pretty busy tell us what you got to do uh yesterday and why you're in new york this sounds like a pretty unique opportunity yeah i just did a little uh, talk show um here in new york and um just was on the show and had the opportunity to kind of be like a guest bartender and um it was, it was fun we we had a good time i'm two of my teammates maroon and Edmonton here with me so uh, it makes for a good time and uh, a cool experience. Uh, guest bartender, dare I ask what your specialty is? Is there something you're good at mixing up? <laughs> you know, I mean, we weren't really handing out drinks. We were just kind of, there's like a little bar on the side of the show, and we just kind of stand there and we were just asking questions and um, just kind of, we were just joking, I guess, almost. So it was a fun experience. It was cool. What have the demands on your time been like since you won? I, I mean, you've, you've been great with uh, with us at 6.30, Chad, because you came on a couple times during the playoffs too, but uh, what's it been like in terms of some of the attention and fan requests and interview requests since you won it? Yeah, it's been crazy, but, um, I mean, these are great problems to have. I mean, obviously it's, it's exciting for everybody, and obviously there's been so many different parts of hockey and things that uh, – uh, have helped me along the way that uh, I, I want to contribute to and give back to, obviously. And, um, I've played hockey in a lot of different areas, Fort McMurray, Alaska, and obviously it, it's cool for everybody. So uh, I'm just fortunate that I'm that I'm connected to a lot of good people and um, that I'm, I'm in this position. It's, it's a good problem to have. All right. You know, we, we talked before the series. Uh, I, I think we, we kind of both knew it was going to be a, a close one, and it, it does go seven games. Let's let's just kind of talk about the end of that series. You got the big Game 5 win in Boston. You had a chance to win it on home ice in Game 6, and it didn't go your way that night. Tell me a little bit about, about that game and how you guys were, uh, were able to deal with uh, a disappointing loss there. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough one, obviously. It was... They came in and they played well. I think we we kind of were excited. We we uh, we came out strong and they just kind of got a few quick ones on us. And um, no, it was it was a game where it was it was tough, obviously, because you want to win in front of your home crowd and you want to win and um, as soon as possible and kind of seal the deal. But um, they played well. Boston's obviously a really good team. They 
that they they played unbelievable and it was such a cool series to be part of because we went seven games and obviously uh, it was exciting. But but just another thing for you guys to deal with, right? You've you've told me that ever since we've been talking. It's like okay, something happened that we didn't like. What like, like you guys just kept recovering from everything. Yeah, I just feel like we just kind of didn't veer off from the from the path, which almost we just kind of stayed stayed course no matter what happened. Like we would win a game, big game. Um, we tried to stay even keel, but lose a big game um, and just kind of let it slide. And um, it's all about making sure that you're in the moment and you're kind of prepared for the for your next shift and the next game so I think uh, obviously that was our biggest thing this playoffs I think is just making sure we came with the new new game mindset every single every single game um, because that's important Game 7 you were outshot pretty uh, lopsidedly in the first period but you emerged with a 2 nothing lead tell me about getting through that period and then and then going to the dressing room uh, up, to, up to zip what was the vibe like? Yeah it was good good vibe um, I, I mean it was huge for us to get get those two goals and especially with the way that the, the shots went but Boston came out strong in the first obviously at home and game seven and um, they, they made a huge push and Spinner Spinner has stood on his head and we just pushed we, we capitalized on our chances and um, the chances that we got were good chances and um, I guess put them in the back of the net and then the vibe in the locker room was kind of we touched on earlier we wanted to make sure we weren't getting too high or too low we just stayed even keel we knew there was a lot of work to be done still so we Made sure we kept attacking. We didn't want to kind of sit back on the lead. We wanted to kiss and each to go after it. Um, I thought we did a good job. What do you remember about the the final minute of the game? I, I know Boston got a late one, and you guys had to be sure to close it up. But you you were up four one. I, I know you. There was a stage where the the puck got cleared with about twenty seconds left, and the the bench got pretty excited. What do you remember about that final minute and the, the clock counting down, and and it finally happened. You'd won it. I don't know. I was so excited. It was cool. Uh, I just remember grabbing the teammates on the bench, basically, and then um, just jumping on the ice. And the rest from there was just basically a blackout. It was from just celebrating to uh, grabbing the grabbing the Stanley Cup and hoisting it for the first time. And it was it's really uh, such a cool moment and um, one I'll never forget for the rest of my life. I'm just so happy and privileged to be a part of this this good team. Colton Pareko joining us on Inside Sports. You got to play with Jay Bomeister a lot this season. The longtime veteran in the National Hockey League, the first St. Louis Blue to get the Stanley Cup from Captain Alex Petrangelo. What can you tell me about playing with Jay and the impact he had on you this season? Well, man, he's a lot. He's such a professional. Just everything about him, just the things that you don't see. His his work off the ice is is the best I've ever seen. Um, it's, it's incredible, and I think that that's why he's such an elite player at this level and for such a long time. He continues to just stress and work on his body. Um, every single day and always in the gym first, always in the gym last. Um, it's been incredible that way. And then obviously on the ice, you, you watch the guy play. He's, he's, uh, he's unbelievable. He, he does everything the right way. He makes sure uh, he's, he's doing it the way it's done. Um, and on the ice, he just, he just makes the right play and it makes it so much easier on my life being his partner. And uh, I'm just so glad that I got to play with a guy like Jay because um, actually he was just awarded with the triple triple gold coin of Olympic gold medal, um, world championship gold medal, and the Stanley Cup. So there's only been 29 guys in the world that have achieved that. And for him to get that, it's I'm so happy for him, and it's it's really cool. 
Someone who was a, a big part of the St. Louis Blues, even though she never played a game, was Layla Anderson. I, I know I, I asked you about her a, f- a few weeks ago, but there's some awesome video of you and her on the ice uh, shortly after you guys won Game 7. What was, what was that moment like? What was it like getting to share that Stanley Cup celebration with such a, a loyal fan like that who's been through so much? It was it was cool. Such a cool moment for me, and kind of like lifting the cup for my first time. I will never forget the chance that we lifted it together, and I, I helped her out. And um, no, she was so she was ecstatic on the ice and trying, and it, like that's so cool for me to give, be able to kind of do a small gesture like that, and um, it's just it's life changing, and I'm I'm so happy to be in in a position like this um, to kind of do things like that, and uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just fortunate. She's cool. She's been she's been through a lot, and um, she's taught us a lot of the team. So it, it was, yeah, it was just rewarding and so so cool to get to see her, her do it because she's been with us for the ride the whole the whole way. Is it possible for you to sum up the Stanley Cup parade, Colton? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely mayhem. It was it was crazy. We were out, out of our floats. We were jumping in with the fans. We were uh, yeah, it was crazy. Drinking a lot, um, just having fun, like. The city of that parade was unbelievable. The city of St. Louis was amazing. Um, I don't know if you guys kind of saw any pictures or photos, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was so much fun for us. And, um, the city of St. Louis obviously loves their hockey, so that was, that was cool. Well, I saw the video of you taking the TV camera from the uh, from the camera guy <laughs> and doing some shooting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't think he was very happy with me probably at the time. Probably that's definitely not a cheap camera. I don't think he must have been nervous, but um, he let me, so. Away I go. Uh, obviously, you, you know you're from you're from St. Albert. Uh, did you know when you're going to have your day with the cop? When are you coming home? What's going on here once things slow down a bit? Yeah, I'm going to come home probably um, within the next week here, but I don't I don't know exactly the day with the cop or anything. Um, what I'm going to do with it yet? It's uh, kind of a working process. There's a lot of cool things that I want to try to do with it. Obviously, I want to share it with as many people uh, as possible. That kind of have been a part of my life and my career, and obviously the city of St. Albert is, is special to me too. So um, just I'm trying to figure out a way that it's going to be able to kind of incorporate everyone and everyone gets a chance to kind of be with, be with the Cups. And it's cool. It's an, it's an iconic thing, and I'm, I'm just excited that I have the chance to do this. Well, I, I can hear the excitement in your voice. Uh, it's great to have you on the show again, and it was awesome that you were available throughout the playoffs to update your experience and the Blues experience. Congratulations, Colton. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Good to catch up with Colton Pareko, who was on the Andy Cohen show last night. He's a talk show host in New York City and is from St. Louis, so uh, glad to have a few blues on his show. Uh, awesome to have Colton on. Uh, you know, we talked to him during the regular season. He came off. He came on the show after the the first round when they beat the Jets, and he was on Inside Sports right before the Stanley Cup Final. Same night we had Jake DeBrusque on the show, so he's enjoying it. Quite a ride. As we have the Ted Lindsay winner at the awards in Las Vegas. And uh, don't think a big surprise here is is indeed Nikita Kucherov edging out uh, Connor McDavid and Patrick Kane for that honor. Other awards that have uh, come down tonight, the King Clancy for humanitarian work, Jason Zucker, Don Sweeney from the Bruins won GM of the Year, I uh, mentioned earlier, uh, Elias Peterson from the Canucks got Rookie of the Year, the Calder Trophy, and the Lady Bing for sportsmanship goes to Alexander Barkov of the Florida Panthers. Tell you what, Kellen, we are going to give away 
a four-pack of tickets to the Edmonton Prospects Canada Day game, 7 o'clock July 1st against Moose Jaw. They're mm. going to have a Canadian jersey auction, fireworks, a live post-game concert. One of the highlights in the summer in Edmonton is the Canada game home game for the Canada Day home game for the Prospects. We're going to do live trivia on air, 780-496-0063. But I'm going to give the question now so people can be sure because I felt bad the last couple of nights Somebody called in, and I sprung the question on, and they got it wrong, and I feel like I ruined their entire evening, if right. not their entire week. So, uh, two Oilers have won the Lady Bing since the Oilers joined the NHL. One of them was Wayne Gretzky. Who's the other Oiler to win the NHL? Or to, to win the NHL. Who's the other Oiler to win the Lady Bing Award? 780-496-0063. We'll bring you on for your live answer when we get back. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Between seven and seven thirty tonight, you will get to know Eskimos receiver Ricky Collins Jr. a little bit better. Nine catches, 175 yards, as the Eskimos beat the Alouettes in their home opener in their season opener this past Friday. Eskimos home to BC. Friday night, right? Mike Riley back in town. So the Lions are coming to town. I'm going to Vancouver. I'll have the show from Vancouver tomorrow night. And uh, then, as I mentioned, our draft coverage will start at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Okay, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets to the Edmonton Prospects' great Canada Day game. I have already asked the question, so there should be no excuses for anybody on hold uh, getting it wrong. In the history of the Oilers franchise, two players have won the Lady Bing. One of them, Wayne Gretzky. Who was the other one? Dennis, can you tell me? Was it Yari Curry? It was Yari Curry as a bonus point. Well, I don't have any bonus prizes. You just get more <laughs> admiration from me. Uh, do you remember the year? I'm going to, it's just a bit of a guess, but I'm going to go 87. It was 84, 85. You're not far off. Uh, so Curry got it. Gretzky got it in the first year in the league, 79, 80. Curry got it in 84, 85. Uh, and Gretzky won it uh, one, two, three more times with the Kings, 91, 92, and 94. Wow. I will say this, Dennis. I know uh, in the year the Oilers made the playoffs, uh, some people thought Clefbaum should have been nominated. Remember, he only had like eight penalty minutes or something like that? Yeah. So anyway, he didn't get it. Uh, Barkoff got oh. it tonight. Uh, McDavid did not get the uh, Ted Lindsay. That goes to Kucherov. I, I am not surprised. Leading scorer on the leading team, Dennis. I, I, look, I know I'm in an, uh, talking to Edmonton fans, so maybe people are going to be mad at me. In my mind, though, it was, I don't vote. It would have been pretty hard for me not to vote for Kucherov. Yeah, for sure, right? Great player. And Great he, guy. And the Lindsay's the one voted by the players, and the, the heart is still coming up. Dennis, uh, enjoy the Prospects game on Canada Day. Great place to uh, watch it. They do an incredible job on Canada Day. So hang on the line. Kellen's going to take your info, okay? Thank you. That is Dennis. He wins the Prospects tickets. All right. Well, I'm glad that nobody got it wrong live on the radio. And we'll give away more stuff later on tonight. Morley Scott handed me this earlier. A athlete by the name of Julia Hurricane Hawkins has uh, cemented her legacy in sports by winning 
the 50-meter dash and the 100-meter dash at a track meet at, at an event in New Mexico. As a matter of fact, she holds a world record. She, she didn't beat her previous time. This, this happened yesterday, uh, but she still did pretty well. Now, why is this a big deal? Someone you may have not have heard of winning a 50-meter dash and a 100-meter dash. Well, Julia Hurricane Hawkins is 103 years of age. She is 103 years of age. Her time in the 100 meters, 46 seconds. So it took her, it took her a little longer than Usain Bolt and Carl Lewis and Donovan Bailey and Ben Johnson, all those other guys. Uh, but she got to the finish line, 46 seconds for the 100-meter dash. Kellen, she is 103 years of age. Good for her. That's pretty amazing. She's a retired teacher. She says keeping active keeps her sharp, and she hopes she can serve as an inspiration to others. That is pretty cool. Julia Hurricane Hawkins. That is a great nickname, too. Maybe she could be in the slaw. That'd be fun. (laughs) All right. Uh, you can text us to 630-630. Uh, Scott says, Reed, are you running the Canada Day road race? Yes, I am, Scott. I am doing the uh, 15K, as I often do. Are you running it, Scott? You can tell me as well. I, you know what? Julia Hurricane Hawkins would probably beat me in the 100-meter dash. I, the distance running I can I can do. This sprinting is not my thing. I just look clumsy. All right, what do we got coming up? We got Ricky Collins Jr. Oh, this is going to be fun later on as well. We will catch up with Giorgio Estefan, Edmontonian. He's back in Edmonton. He had a great career in the Western Hockey League. Uh, Won the dub last season with Swift. And he uh, got a deal with the Maple Leafs organization, the Newfoundland Growlers in the East Coast Hockey League, and they won the championship. They won the Kelly Cup last week, so we're going to catch up with him as well. That'll be good to have Giorgio on the show. You can keep texting 630-630, our phone number 786. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. 0496-0063. Oh, and we'll tell you which Pro Football Hall of Famer is coming to the Eskimos game on Friday. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.